Kia ora. Welcome to Define Talks, where Aotearoa New Zealand's leaders in architecture come together to explore the depths of design, construction and the pursuit of a better built environment. Get ready to expand your knowledge and be inspired. Welcome back everybody to ADNZ's Define Talk series. My name's Glenn Murdoch from Thick Architecture, here a small firm here in Christchurch working on passive house architecture. Today I'm joined by Dean Cook from Fletcher Building. Yep, so I'm the Divisional Technical Manager for the Concrete Division of, of Fletcher's which involves Firth, Golden Bay, Winstone's Aggregates and um, recently Humes. Okay, so with Dean today, we're going to chat about the concrete industry and what the industry is up to in terms of reducing its carbon footprints. We're going to chat about some of the technical stuff around how we mix concrete and how we can reduce footprints through that. Uh, we'll talk about EPDs and how they relate to concrete. And I guess generally about um, communication on the construction side and how we can make the things, the whole process, go a bit smoother. Dean, I'm going to put it out there first. We've, we talked about a little bit about this before we got started, and you were pushing back at me, but I'm going to push back again back at you. So concrete is, uh, is not the friendliest material we can use for buildings, but... We live in a place where we can't build without it, in a practical sense. Extremely difficult and expensive to build in New Zealand without concrete. We have to use it. So what I'm going to talk today about is sort of concrete generally, what the industry is up to to try and reduce its its impact, uh, and how, as designers, we can think differently about concrete. So I guess first, just a bit of an overview, eh? what's going on in the concrete industry to try and reduce the carbon footprint of concrete? Okay, so we have been on a journey of reducing our carbon footprint since about 2005. And in fact, we've already looked at what our footprint was in 2005 and what it is in 2020. So in in 2005, between then, 2005 and 2020, volumes of concrete have increased by 11%. And yet our footprint as a total is reduced by the 11%. And that's through a whole lot of work, particularly around cement industry, in, in producing lower and lower carbon cements. And it, it's really pleasing for me that the, the cement that we have here in New Zealand that's made by Golden Bay up in Northland is the pretty well the lowest carbon footprint cement you'll have. It's a, what I would call a full strength cement. It's, uh, it gives you very, very high strength, which means that you, you only have to put a little bit in your concrete to, to make your, your concrete and you don't have to transport too much material so we've been on a journey for reducing for a long time lots and lots of levers we can we can pull to 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 make it even better so what so what are some of those levers then Dean? okay so <clears throat> the, f- the first thing when, when when i'm looking at uh, a, a concrete design the first thing i'd ask the designer is do you really need that strength because Concrete strength goes from from well, I can I can start at one or two megapascals, but typically house floors are twenty MPa. If I'm using some very high end precast work, fifty MPa. So the strength is the, the the compressive strength of the concrete. As you go up the compressive strength, you go up your carbon footprint because you have to put more and more cement in the mix to give you that strength. Cement is the cheapest glue known to man. It, it holds all the all the aggregates and the sands together. So if you're if you're designing something and you you're using 30 MPa and you say, do I really need to do that? Can I use 25 MPa? You could save yourself 10% on your footprint. Yeah, sure. Of and that that's order. Some, 
and what, if we get the, the structural engineer involved in that conversation and they're happy, then that's a that's an easy win. Yeah. So there's the first easy win. The second easy one is then looking at your mix design. Okay. So <clears throat> not all cements are equal. So your ready mixer, which cement they use, will determine the 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 um, the footprint basically. So as I said before, if you're using New Zealand-made cements, you tend to find that the global warming potential of your concrete will be lower just because of that. So does that mean that in some cases in New Zealand, we might be using cements that are not made locally? Yeah, about about 40% of the market's imported. Okay. And about 60%. This of that order. Sure, know, sure, sure. Enough. And those are the imported stuff is coming from places where the production of the cement has a much greater... Yeah, well, look, it's, it's really good cement. It's still, it's still, performance-wise, is is matching the New Zealand cement. Uh, they just don't have the same footprint. That Golden Bay has spent a lot of time improving their fuel efficiencies, looking at alternative fuels, constantly looking at ways of shaving another few percent here, another yeah, few sure. percent there, um, and and the result of that is that they're about twenty percent lower than imported cement. Sure, sure. So is this correct? So imported cement might use, for example, coal to generate the energy to create the cement. What are they yep. using up in Golden Bay then? Well, a lot of their alternative fuels are waste streams. So they use they use a lot of waste timber. Now, the beauty of that is that they can use treated timber because it goes into the kiln. The kiln is working about 1,500 degrees, really high temperatures. And any of those elements that you might have in in treated timber get bound up into the into the cement nothing comes out the flue so they use a lot of that they they're also using a lot of waste tires so those get shredded taken up to northland and they get used as a fuel these all things seems really simple but they're, they you have to make a lot of modifications yeah, to your yeah. plant to yeah. handle it doesn't make a massive difference to your carbon footprint because a lot of a tire is a hydrocarbon anyway, yeah. so so you have to include that. There's a small natural rubber component which you can deduct, but it's all a series of small increments that lead to you know the, the lower numbers in the end. So you talked there about um, modifying the mix to reduce the footprint. So yep. what about using alternatives to cement? So for example, fly ash and things like yep. that. Yep. How does that roll in New Zealand? Yep. So we've we've. Um, Things are changing on that market, which is good because for, for years we've had very little opportunities because we have to actually import these waste streams. So the, the major ones that we look at are fly ash, which comes from coal burning. Huntley spends a lot of time closed down these days. So again, we, we, we sort of import those materials. They provide, they allow you to reduce your cement, cement contents. They come with a, a lower um, carbon footprint, so you can end up with a concrete which has a lower net footprint. The other alternatives are gran- ground granulated blast furnace slag, GGBS, uh, and, and again, uh, Wholesome have recently uh, built up in Auckland a facility to to bring in that. We've for years not really had it available to us, but now that is an option available to concrete mix designers. Uh, another one is is microsilica from the from the sort of ferrosilica industry. Again, these are all waste streams that, through their chemistry, we can use in in concrete. And those are all imported at this stage. 
All of, the only the only non-imported, which is in tiny volumes, is Huntley fly ash. All sure, the rest, sure, sure, sure. All the rest are imported. So, but despite the, the transport cost of importing that stuff, it's, it's still going to yeah, reduce. When the you when you do your your life cycle assessment, yep. you include include all that. Yeah, sure. The, the the development that we're sort of heading now is around the world is people are looking at what they call calcine clays, where if you take a kaolinite clay and you you heat it at the right temperature, around about sort of eight hundred degrees you can end up with a material which is pozzolanic. It reacts with with concrete. Uh, similarly, a lot of work being done with natural pozzolans. So these are volcanic ashes, usually pumicites, ignimbrites, where you can grind them really fine and you can use them as a cement. These are the sort of things that the Romans used to use yeah, sure. in their concrete. Sure, sure, Same sure. things. So you talked at the start about uh, over the last 15 years, yep. concrete volumes have increased by 11%. Yep. Footprints reduced by 11%. Yes. How much scope do you think there is to reduce it further? Where's the, what's the end goal here? Uh, 2050 is to be net zero. Net That's our goal. Now, that will involve, that will evolve, and what we've done recently is is had a roadmap of how we would get there. There, there is, between now and maybe 2030, 35, we can use sort of technologies that exist, which is what you're talking about is sort of alternative is basically making your clinker as efficient as you can. Uh, uh, then you start to use supplementary cementitious materials. You start to improve your fleet. You do all those sort of things. So you get yourself down to a, a, a reasonable number. Then after that, we have to see technology, which is what they call carbon capture. So the the, the technology already exists. It's just not economic at the moment. Sure, sure. And is there, there must, there's an end point there eh, where you can't remove any more from concrete beyond that does that mean yeah. uh planting trees or carbon credits or those types of things well our plan isn't around uh sequestration it is around it is. Okay. ultimately we we would see us investing to capture if you if you're if you're at a cement plant and you capture the co2 now the when you when you make cement you take limestone um uh, and you heat it at a great temperature and it breaks down and that's where a lot of the CO2 comes from. Okay, that chemical process. So there, there isn't anything you can do to alter chemistry. Sure. But if you capture it and you start utilizing it, then you can you can effectively get cement down to zero. Now, one of the interesting things also about concrete is that if you lay a concrete floor, it actually absorbs CO2. Now... It is a it is a very small amount and it takes many many years, but if you if you're if you you're producing a, effectively a zero cement uh, a zero carbon product, you actually then over the time you start to start creep into the negatives. Mm. So, so we weigh away. It's, the, the technology of carbon capture exists. The economics don't. Sure, sure. Uh, lots of there's lots of plants experimenting with prototypes but there's so much effort being put around the world i see you know that that technology will come through sure so let's just talk about some specifics of concrete that we can buy on the market at the moment and here i'm thinking about the first ec products that i've got so i can buy ec30 ec10 ec20 which has a reduction in its carbon footprint yeah what's the difference between normal mix concrete and the same strength concrete if i specify ec20 for example what's the difference so what we would what we did is is what we found is people struggled with specification so what we what we did is we 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 made a grid 
and we just used something called the Infrastructure Sustainability Council and, and put into their software package and it gave us a baseline. And then we called something called EC10. It's 10% lower than that. EC20 is 20% lower than that. It doesn't really matter what your baseline is because it's, it's the, the lines that you can get. Uh, we, with New Zealand cement, we can usually hit now round about the, an EC20. Most what's systems, different about that? What's, what goes well, into the concrete that's different? Well, I suppose the different things is, is low carbon cement. Sure. Is it? And then I can take it beyond that with people then say, right, I, I want something special. I want to do better again. And I can start to look at, I can look at my admixtures. I can see where, where, where's the source? Why, why is my cement contents high? You know, so can I can I look at admixtures to bring down my water content, bring down my cement? Can I look at supplementary cementitious materials? Could I change my sand and and make it better? You know, because everything about concrete is around economics. That's why. You know, you, you, you said at the beginning... That Everything the, around building is around economics. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's why, you know, when, when people say, what's the impact? Well, you say, well, quite now, everything we do is around getting the best value. As we as we start to make things, put in another value proposition, then there's potential for costs. Okay. So the EC20 example you've given us there, that's, that's compared to a... Uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but arbitrary baseline that isn't necessarily what exists in New Zealand. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, it's not totally arbitrary, but what, what I, I would say is is that what we're, we, we're, we're asking people is is to know your numbers and specify the numbers. So why we set that up is that we, we have an expectation that people would say, I'm on the project, I'll phone up my local concrete plant and say, look, I'm, I'm looking at the, what's practical in your areas because there is nothing low carbon about specifying something that when they try to put it down, the places can't handle it. You end up digging it up and doing it again. Sure, That's sure. not low. Yeah, so absolutely. what we say is come talk to us. And really the specification would be then just say, and we, we've seen a lot of this already in big infrastructure work where they say, I want this strength and here's your target carbon footprint, global warming potential. And you see it a little bit with Green Star now where people are saying, what is the number? Because what we say know your numbers is I've talked about cement, I've talked about those uh, you know, sort of materials, but ultimately concrete is what you use. Yes, yeah, so, 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 so if the engineers told me I need 20 MPA concrete for this particular yep. uh, piece of the building, then I can say to, you, to the concrete plant, rather than specifying EC20, for example, yep. I can say I want concrete that has no more than X kilograms per yep. cubic metre of GWP. Yep, that's, that's what yep. I would do. You know, the, the, that EC rating was really just to show that when you go from 20 to 50, they get bigger. And you usually find that as you, with certain cements, you'll be on one of those lines. You know? Sure. But we would say our, our industry, like any, is very cost uh, competitive. So when somebody sets a challenge and sees a specification that says, I want this, this strength and I want this global warming potential for my project, you only lose one of those jobs. Because yes. you then learn to make sure how you do it. And we're seeing it already on infrastructure projects where people are setting up a little grid and saying, uh, I've seen them on projects where they might have a lot of marine concrete. And they'll say, these are the, these are the numbers for, for I want you to, to challenge you on for normal concrete. And these are the ones I want you to for, for the marine grade concretes. And you know, they, they, 
often say, these are the numbers and I want you to work out how you can get 20% better than these numbers. So they set their baseline. And then what they'll do, which is rather nice, is that there are some mixes where it's easy to achieve. There are other mixes where it's difficult. If I'm doing a, a pile with a tremie concrete, the standard says I have to put a certain amount of cement in. Sure. So I, I have got very little maneuverability sure, there. Sure. But I could find that I'm doing a mass concrete pad and it's very easy to give a low carbon one. So what we've seen on those infrastructure projects is where they'll they'll put, here is here's my targets, tell me how to get 20%. And then they'll say, I've got 20% of this type of concrete, 5% of this, 10% of that. So that you can sit down with a con contractor and say, where do we put our effort in? And where do we relax the effort? Sure. So right at the start, you talked about the different people that make concrete and you used uh, the pre-cast, pre-stressed folks as an example where they use yeah. high street yeah. concrete, high carbon footprint concrete. Yeah. So this is, a, from a design point of view, this is a choice that we can make around the systems that we're using as well. Eh? So for example, precast concrete might have a much higher carbon footprint than in-situ concrete. Is that correct? Not necessarily because it's often thinner. You know, if you're if you're sure, using sure. high strength, It'll often often it can be it can be pre-stressed, which is a very very structurally efficient way. And the, my panel becomes a lot thinner. The so panel I have less comes volume. thinner. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it's not a simple. No. Yeah. Okay. No. But I know that precasters are working on preparing some EPDs for for products, so that you you've got numbers and you can compare. So EPDs, it's good that you brought that up. So before we started, we were chatting and you talked about EPDs being challenging simply because the number of them you would have yeah. to produce to cover all of the potential concrete yeah. mixes or, or recipes. Yeah. So at Firth, we, we did an EPD uh, some time back. And <clears throat> and what that does is when somebody they come into your business, they look at everything and then they, they, they work out basically the 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 environmental um, description of, of your products, but it's 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 because it's a historic thing. It's looking at what you did. Well, in two thousand nineteen two thousand and twenty, there wasn't much call for low carbon concretes. So when we were doing that process, we did it with ThinkStep. We said we want to the calculator that you use to develop the EPD. We want it to be able to use so that if we come up with any custom mix design. I can produce a sheet that says what is the footprint of this based on the mix, because I got we got really clever engineers who can who are very skilled at giving you the strength for the best cost. Now we can add that third dimension in there that says and what is the global warming potential? And that calculator is based upon the relevant standard that thinks it would have used to do your correct, EPD. correct, right? Okay, and so, that's widely available to the design fraternity. It's no, no. It's it's you phone us and we okay. we because it's got a whole lot of commercially sensitive sure, material sure, written sure. in it. But we can get that number if we need. Yeah, it, if we can give a particular a, mix. We can give what we've been doing a lot is providing people with a certificate that says you had this mix, AP twenty five nineteen W is the mix code, and here it is from this plant, which is your closest plant. So it's a cradle to gate. So it's it, it gives you the footprint as that concrete truck drives out of the gate at the concrete And this plant. will be location dependent as well, is that correct? This EPD, yeah. yes. Yep. Depending Every on that transport distance. The So so the well, the EPD is at the plant. At the so plant. every single plant, we, it covers every single plant we have in New Zealand. 
And it so it takes all the logistics of getting all the materials to that plant, the mix design at that plant, how efficient that plant has been to make concrete, adds all those up, and then says as that as that truck leaves that plant, that's the footprint the of that specific mix design. My feeling is that after this is broadcast, you're going to get a load more phone calls for people asking for these numbers. Oh, we do get lots of phone calls anyway. Right, right. I think look, what I'd say though is the first phone call is is. Concrete is nearly always specified on 28-day strengths, okay? As you start to use what would be a, a special concrete, you know, that's designed for its low-carbon performance, you, you start to – you always match the 28-day strength, but you might find the set time changes, sure. the, the bleed changes, what the one-day strength is, what the seven-day strength is. Sometimes those are not important. Sometimes they are. Yeah, sure. So that might change my construction methodology or my time frame on site. Yeah. And one of the things I would definitely recommend is is that it, when you've come to the conclusion, oh, this is what I want to do, and you write it in your specification, I'd always have a line in there that says, before this is poured, I want a pre-pour me- meeting between the, the, the placer, the ready mix, and the contractor so that people can say, hey, be aware the bleed characteristics of this are going to be different. The setting time is going to be different. You're going to be there a bit longer. We're in the middle of winter. Things are slower. Don't you know, interrupt tomorrow with your Kelly float. Yeah, if you put that in, because if somebody just orders concrete and it arrives and then the first time they realize it's not normal is when it's coming down the chute. It's a little bit That's late right, to get yeah, ready for yeah. it. Sure, sure, sure. So what about other architectural features? So one of the things uh, that we can talk about is carpet for example so carpet has a pretty high carbon footprint yeah so then one strategy is to remove the carpet and polish the concrete what if i wanted to for example add some dye to the concrete to color it what does that do to the carbon footprint so it slightly up but the the amount of oxide you put in to give you color is very very small so probably a lot less than the carpet would have been over the life of the building Yeah. yeah 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 so color color is yeah very small it's we put a few kgs in, goes yeah. a long way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Okay. That's been super interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted about this 2050 goal for the concrete industry as a yeah. whole. That's yeah. great. Uh, so that means that no matter where I am, which premix plant I'm using, I should be moving towards a good outcome there. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that strikes me as well is, is designing buildings such that over time, we talked about how concrete is pretty durable stuff. Eh? It's going to last yeah. a long time. That the floor plate can be reused and be repurposed again and again. There's no reason yep. to pick floor plates up and throw them in the bin to put another one down of a slightly different shape. No. So let's design such that floor plates can be reused with a different building on top of them. Yep. Thoughts on that? Makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is that we can, with concrete, we can recycle it. You know, At the moment, you'll see particularly in Europe, what they do is, remember I talked before about um, concrete slowly absorbs CO2, but it's only a surface related. So you've got a whole lot of body of concrete that's not exposed to CO2. So what you're finding in Europe at the moment is there's technology where take concrete back, they crush it up so that you increase your surface area, and then they're putting it in a container full of CO2, and it soaks up that CO2. So it's a a mineral sequestration. So we're starting to see end of life, people are doing that. You get a few more, you know, you save a few more kgs of CO2 with each with each tonne. 
Um, we we we've never really had much recycled concrete to to use. You know, it was only after the quakes here in Christchurch that we could use some. <clears throat> this it, the concrete industry is a very low waste industry because you you order your concrete, and the last load is usually a measure. So unless they're really bad at measuring, very little comes back. <clears throat> and even then, when it does come back, we have strategies where the first thing we have, most plants have molds, and you, you see the big waste blocks that are used, so you put them into those and you can sell them again. They've sure, sure, got sure. a meaningful use. Other than that, some plants will then wash out the, the aggregates so we can reuse the aggregates, and then others will have it dump it in like little cow pats taken away crushed up and then they can be reused so um, but it is a relatively low waste industry alrighty that's great hey thanks for coming along today Dean it's been it's been enjoyable thank you okay my pleasure you've been listening to an ADNZ podcast